Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This is episode 201, Doubt Dies a Thirst in a Rainstorm. I know, I just love the title, and I, I really do it. It kind of encapsulates everything I want to talk about on this particular show, Doubt. Now, we're going to do this in two parts. Uh, one, uh, Doubt in Self, and then the other one, Doubt in Writing. They believe it or not, they are kind of separate topics, but they still have to do with doubt. Now, doubt, from my uh, experience, uh, especially amongst other people, uh, as an editor, you get to hear a lot of writers are thinking and doing and concerned about. It seems to be the most common of any of the, uh, uh, if you want to call it afflictions, of any of the writers. I'm telling you, it's there's more of that than even depression out there in writing or fear or anything else, doubt. It's just so common uh, that we have to talk about it and, and do whatever we can to learn to tackle it because literally you can have somebody write something that after a few rewrites and, you know, reviewing it over and maybe having a few other people read it and, you know, tinker with it and, and send it out there, maybe even need to get accepted. That doesn't make a person immune to the next time they do something where they could be racked with doubt. Where doubt could literally tie their hands behind their back, which kind of hard to write when you <laughs> when that happens. So it's not something that is suddenly filling your entire existence every moment of the day or the year or whatever. Nor is it something that you could be completely uh, immune from on a regular basis because you, you can't. Uh, oftentimes, I, I found, I know with myself and, and definitely with other writers, that you know it could be connected to the particular task you're at at hand. You could be feeling strong and confident about born poems, and then later on you move over to fiction and now you're full of doubt and, you, and you're wondering about what should I do? Is this going to work? Da 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 da. Or literally, it could just be, like I just mentioned before, that the next project you're doing, suddenly you're like, you're no longer in that, that creative slash confident zone. You're just like, oh, you're stuck. All right, so let's talk about that. Uh, first part we're going to do here, the section would be uh, doubt in self. Now, <clears throat> I know that kind of sounds unusual how you separate writing from self, but hey, it's important because... You could talk to people and be around people who are not pretending and could be very confident in the writing they do, but in most of the things they do in their life or even most of the things that they think about regarding themselves or how they interact with other people, they could be full of doubt. Remember, in many ways, you had an Emily Dickinson, we, we had a show about her not too long ago, where uh, she really... Uh, uh, excelled in writing and she felt very confident about that but you know all of that fell apart whenever she would meet somebody and she didn't do very much meeting of people because 
it simply wasn't her forte. She was just so full of doubt about, you know, what she would say, what they would say, how she's she going to react, and all of that. And it's beyond just simply a, a, a measure of shyness. It's a real, a real failing inside that a, a person just doesn't feel very comfortable. Now we have a lot of people in their lives that they don't always feel comfortable about themselves. You know, and, and on a social basis, you might have some people that, you know, they don't feel they look the best, or they dress the best, or their hair looks the best, or, you know, maybe they have some kind of a illness or handicap or whatever that just simply stalls all of their um, their presence and their and their thinking and, and even their um, their connection to other people. Now, I'm not really suggesting to anyone here on the show that. You know, um, you have to always work on all the doubt you have in yourself. Otherwise, you know, that could transfer over into creativity. Because a lot of times it doesn't. You'd be surprised at how much there's a separation there. And then there's a wall. So there's not really the biggest connection between self and, 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 and writing. That's why I have two different topics on the show about that. Because they don't always, they don't always meet. And they don't always interconnect. Now, what's important to understand about doubt in self is is simply this. Oftentimes, it's a person too afraid to make that next step. Whether the next step is to say hello to the neighbor. Uh, you've been living next to them for like five years and you never said hello. <laughs> you know, there's some, there's some doubt there. And other times, it's, it's simply the doubt of because the person has the trauma or the, or the pain of, of experiences in the past that didn't do so well, and they just don't want that to happen to them again. And, and I can understand that. that. That happens to all of us in, in all kinds of different instances. But if we're going to learn anything about ourselves, and certainly anything about the world, we have to learn to at least curb doubt long enough for us to get something done. Because... The only I feel the real connection between self and writing is that through self is usually you kind of gain some some knowledge and, and maybe even some experience about dealing with people, dealing with animals, dealing with the world, dealing with situations that helps inform you know some of your writing or some of your ideas around your writing. So it's never really the best thing that to be locked up as a you know, some kind of a hermit in a cab uh, in, in a forest someplace for the next 10 freaking years. You know, it's very difficult to get any real writing done if you, you're, you're losing out on the experience of social contact in, in the world. So that's really where there's any kind of real connection is because that's where you're gathering facts and, and, and information and that's where you're, you're gathering the kind of experience or maybe even some vision that you need in order to be able to explore further with your imagination. Because remember, the imagination still needs to have something to put things together with. You know, it's kind of hard to imagine uh, talking to a person if you never talked to a person before, uh, or traveling if you never traveled before. You, know, only some, you can only do so much with imagination. There's certain things we need to have in terms of life experiences, and that's where uh, doubt in self can be a real problem because it blocks you from those things it makes you 
second and third and fourth guess yourself, which I, I don't find is the best thing. You you should second and guess yourself on writing, because that's how you learn to uh, uh, feel that uh, something isn't its its best, and you can go on to the rewriting stages of things. But in self, oftentimes second guessing yourself is never a good thing. I mean, have you ever hear somebody uh, to tell you in a test? They find out later on that all the ones they they sort of like second guess themselves on and didn't go with that first instinct, it wound up being wrong. So that's a lot of points they threw out the window because they didn't go with their gut instinct. But a lot of times when you're filled with doubt, you don't trust your gut because you don't trust yourself. It's not always about not trusting a person breaking your heart or a person treating you rude or a person being difficult. Or, or a world that is, is complex and scary, a lot of times it's people who have doubt because they don't even trust themselves. And to me, that, that's, that's a horrifying thing because I understand how normal and human that doubt is. In many ways, doubt is similar to fear in the sense that you want to have at least a healthy measure of it because it is useful for your own protection. Someone tells you something wacky, crazy story about, you know, why your dry cleaning wasn't done. Or why there's an accident over at the corner or something. I mean, yeah, you, that's what they call skeptical. Being skeptical, is it's a, it's a doubt. Some of those things are healthy to have. Because if it sounds like it doesn't add up, usually it's because it doesn't add up. It's not always true or missing a couple of pieces or just me, it could be an entire fantasy. It's when we become prisoners of doubt that we start having real issues. Because once that happens, we're no, we're no longer really living in the world, living out there to learn things. It, it, being a prisoner of doubt means that in many ways, you're just sort of like surviving. And folks, there's a real big difference between surviving and living. All right, there's no fine line there. It's a huge difference. Those that want to survive, they're living on the uh, on the basics of things. You know what I mean? They get some sleep and they eat some food. They go to the bathroom and maybe throw the garbage out. That's that's their idea of surviving. That's not living, though. That's just surviving. Yeah, those things are elements to live, but you also need to be able to go out of your door to talk to people. I know some folks that say, oh, oh, Mark, I got I got some social contact because, you know, between the instant messaging on the Internet and then making some phone calls and stuff, I can stay in touch with people. Yeah, that, that's good to a certain extent. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's better than not doing that at all. But do you cannot put a real, I feel, full measurement or, or any kind of a price tag on the live experience of having a lunch with somebody and listening about things about their life or then you telling them something about your life or going to a convention or an art show or a museum or something that allows you to interact with the world and with information like you go to a zoo I always like going to zoos even with my kids because not only are you interacting but it's never really the same. Animals are not going to really act the same. You're not really going to act the same. You might see something or notice something different that you didn't do before. Kind of like rewatching the movie a couple of times. 
and you just hear or see things that you didn't catch before. It's the same thing, but that's part of the interaction with life, and it's also part of putting aside your doubt, the doubt of, you know, I've been to that that museum like six times before, so I don't know why the seventh time is going to be a charm. I don't know, because they might have some different exhibits, because you could have been in a rush last time, you might have had some other thoughts preoccupying you, you could have been spending time having to corral your children or talk to your wife or whatever, and you miss certain things, so you miss certain moments. One of the worst things about doubt is it steals the moments that we could have with other people, maybe even with ourselves in, in, in some kind of quiet contemplation, or out there connecting with the world and the things that are going on. It steals those things. We don't know what kind of time we have left, folks. You know? We really don't. You look at the news. You got people dying all the time, oftentimes at, you know, ages that you don't expect. Imagine how much time they must have squandered just by being in doubt or being in addiction or being in, in fear or being locked up in depression. All these things, they take our time away because they take away the moments that we could have had the moments we could have shared, the moments that we could have grasped onto, they get taken away. You don't get those back, you know. When you, when you waste time, no matter what you're doing, wasting time, you don't get it back. You don't know how much time you have left. You just don't. People, they die all the time. And I, I find it really distressing when I talk to writers, especially that the amount of time that they use just wasted in doubt when they could be doing things. I don't mean necessarily doing things in writing, just doing things in living and in life. Those things are still important too. And we need to get those things done because they help make us more fuller of a person. They help round out all the edges that we can have in many instances. They open up our mind further and expand you know, our horizon. And these are the things that later on, on the next part of this show, we could talk about of doubt in writing then, because then it could be more mechanical and not more existential. That's what it is when we, when we allow that to happen. Don't let these things steal your time, steal your moments, because you just won't get those back. And it's one of the greatest strategies of allowing yourself to become a prisoner of a doubt. All that you lose. It's just... To me, loss is just horrible because we just don't know, you know? We could be gone tomorrow. We really don't know. Do you know how many times I talk to writers or people on a regular basis and then I find out later on that, you know, they're dead? I mean, that happened to me just a month ago with somebody I was trying to reconnect with. He listened to my show a lot. I know they had some health issues and they were going back and forth in the hospital and now they're dead. A lot of times you know these writers, but you don't really know their friends or relatives or anything like that, so someone's going to contact you and tell you, oh, by the way, that person died. But it's happened a number of times where, like, oh, man, it's just sad, but you just don't know. You don't know what they've done, even during that time of illness. Because sometimes people even let illness stop them. And believe it or not, you could still have contact with people and you can still have contact with life and you can still build some experiences even if they might seem limited 
you know, if you had some illness or you had certain disablements, no one says that has to, to stop you. To me, if anything, you'll be reaching out more because you want to get over that thing so you can have a full life again. Or if that thing is supposed to be curtailing certain things in your life, then go out of that much stronger then. Because you don't want that thing really limiting what you what you could be seeing and, and what you could be experiencing and achieving. So I think that's extremely important that we don't let any of those things take the time that we do have because it really is precious. And I don't want to sound like cliche here, but you know, I certainly um, I certainly understand this more than ever before as I get older and my kids get older and all the time we have. I mean, a good example is I, my, my oldest son, he, he just won a number of uh, awards in tennis. We wasn't expecting him to get that many awards. Not that he wasn't good, it's just that there's so much out there and it was his first year and everything, you know, so you don't want to, you don't want to get carried away in your expectations. You want to try to, you know, ground them in something, but he got an enormous amount and I, I enjoyed so much sharing the experience with him, but more than that, as a father, it wouldn't have been enough just to show up to the award ceremony. Oh, wow, look at all he got. It's actually more important to have been out there at the games, which majority of the ones uh, I did, as long as they wasn't far away, if they had to drive away during the school day, I'm working, I can't do that, but uh, the majority I did go, go to the tournaments and all of that stuff and that made the difference because when he won all those awards you could put all that together the times you visited the times you talked the times uh, we, we spent practicing our, ourselves you know for him tennis and good way for me to get a little workout good way for him to get some practice all of that you, you now have dialed yourself into his life and you have some investment of time in that and now when he gets the awards you make the connection that's what's what it's all about about having that you know and don't get me wrong there's still a lot of things I don't know about tennis I play it and I still don't even understand the complete scoring record yet I probably need to read up on that one thing love this and hate that and maybe this and like what the heck are these terms but I enjoyed out being out there it's good experience for me good uh, good workout for me and and it's good for him we forget that sometimes as people that the big things in life you're not going to be remembered for because they expected you to do those already. You know, have the house, have the food, pay the electricity bill, take them to school. I mean, the big things they expect you to do already. It's all of the little things that people remember the most about you and they judge you the most on it. I mean... You know, no kid's going to become an adult and say, yeah, my daddy always paid the bills. What a cool guy. No, they're going to judge you on how much contact you had with them. Was you around a lot? Did you go to their events? Did you help them with the homework? All of those things. All those things that are not all that sexy that you see on TV. All those things that hard for you to even talk to another uh, an adult about without sound boring. But those are all the critical things that people remember about you and that ultimately judge you. You get judged more on that than anything else. It's no different relationships because that is a relationship. 
So they all work the same that way, that way that they judge you that way. Well, you need to learn, before we wrap up this segment over here, you need to learn to judge yourself in yourself, in your relationship with yourself. Are you giving yourself those moments that you should have? Are you letting yourself think a little bit beyond the box? Are you walking outside your house once in a while? Are you going out there and trying to learn or explore things? I know a, a writer that like every six months they, they, they try to learn a different form of writing and writing it. Even if they don't become the best in it, even if it doesn't even work out great for them, just the experience alone pushes them. It, it exercises different muscles mentally, emotionally, and etc. That's another good way of doing things. But that's a way to help learn about yourself and to test yourself and to push yourself. The more you do that, the less you doubt you're going to have in yourself. Because the more things you do, you don't have the time to go around, oh, I'm afraid of this, I don't want to do that, I'm not sure if I can do this. You know, if that person I was telling you about was to live in that doubt, they'd never explore any other writing again. They'll just keep writing the same style they're doing. No, because they conquered that doubt by doing something different. That's how we, that's how we conquer it. That's how we get around it. Now, it's never going to be gone forever. It's not possible. We're human. But the majority of the times, if you do these things, you're going to be able to sidestep that and, and do what you need to do. All right, the next section here will be the doubt in writing. It's quite, quite common. Doubt in writing in itself can have a couple of different sections, so we'll talk about that, okay? Because the first doubt that many writers have is, well, how do I organize myself eternally enough to be able to write something that's going to be worth something? It's a good question. Remember we talked about this in a few other episodes. It always is worth bear mentioning again. Notes. You want to start contact, you want to start like defeating doubt in writing? You want to start put it to the side or reduce it a great deal? Jot down notes. I don't care if it's a post-it of a couple of notes when you were at work, or you're sitting there in, in the toilet bowl and you got a few moments, you can put some notes in your phone, maybe a couple of notes in your just in your brain about maybe key words or phrases you want to explore or thoughts you have or what about that idea. That's how you do it because all doubt in writing stems from. I got a blank page here. What do I do next? I got a blank screen here. What do I type next? Okay. It's a fair question. But you don't need to have doubt in that question if you have some notes that you could fall back on. Oh, really? I got a blank pad here? Okay. Let's see what my notes have to say. And those things oftentimes will spur in your brain what you were thinking about before or new things to think about in those notes. That can start you on the path of not having a blank screen anymore, a blank pad. I know blankness can be scary and, and, and definitely doesn't help a person that might be dealing with doubt, but the notes will start getting you in the right direction. And then from there you can write. Now we have a lot of writers that do this and to me it's a bad habit. I had that habit early on in my writing and I conquered it years ago, but it's a very common thing. So do whatever you can to st learn to stop this. But sometimes you bring about your own doubt when 
you're writing something and then you, you keep stopping because you think that you need to proofread this or you need to correct that or it needs to be rewritten right there on the spot. It doesn't. It stops the flow of what you're trying to do. It's really a bad habit. You shouldn't do that. I know a number of writers that do that and I constantly preach to them it's a bad idea. You stop the things that could be coming into you. You could be connecting in something in your mind that could connect to a stream of thought or possibly amuse or just a, an opening now in your creative spirit. And then you stop it with, let me rewrite this again. No, you have time to do that later in the rewriting stage. That's when you rewrite something once you have actually something on that page. Not two lines and then you're over there doing it for 20 minutes. No, don't do that. It causes doubt. So not all doubt is some natural inclination of, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. This stuff is blank. Sometimes doubt is because you created that. More instances than not, we create our own writer's block. It doesn't come from, you know, the writer's block planet or something. It's not out there in the cosmos just ready to hit you. You create a lot of it. When you stop and you go that way, that's what you're doing. Save reconsidering. Save rewriting. Save re-anything till later. Later the next day, later next week, whatever you want to go back to that. But start getting a bunch of stuff down on that page. Bunch of words, a bunch of ideas, a bunch of anything. Get all of that stuff out. Because once you do that, you're now putting doubt to the side. You know, doubt has its own doubt. If you keep putting it to the side when you're doing stuff like that, it won't come back. It just stays in the corner over there. I'll just wait for him to have a moment and then I'll jump in. That's how doubt is. It has its own doubt. So put doubt in doubt by doing that. And when you do do that, that's when you flow. That's when things come out. You already know as well as I do, the chances are you're going to have something great there that you don't have to tinker with later is, is, is small. It is. You don't get to do that very often. But that's fine because your normal practice is to do this. Go to the notes. Write some stuff down. You can do a little bit of crafting and stuff like that there. Not too much. You don't want to be overwriting or anything like that. But that's how you do things when writing. And that's how you stop doubt right in his tracks. Now, that's really my spiel on the mechanics of doubt in writing. There's other doubt. Some of the other doubt that people face is the doubt of what I'm writing. Is it really describing or connecting in a fresh way what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking about? It's a fair doubt to have. In fact, we should all have that doubt because that's the doubt that's necessary for you to start rewriting now. So like I said, some doubts, like the ones you manufacture yourself, are not good because those are stoppages and those are blockages and those are ways for you to obstruct what you're trying to do. The doubt of, oh, I'm not sure this is going to really go well. I'm not really thinking this is everything I want. Yeah, that's okay because you need that to rewrite. No one ever rewrites out of confidence. You know, I'm 100% confident this poem is perfect to go, but I'm going to rewrite it again. Nobody does that. <laughs> that would make no sense. You need that kind of healthy doubt because that's what you use for rewriting. Rewriting is the push of, I can make this better. I can make this 
what I originally conceived in the first place. I can make this sharper and finer. I couldn't do that before because I was too busy building the blocks. That's right. It makes no sense to me, and it should make no sense to you, how you're going to dream about the roof of a house you're building and you're still working on the foundation. Folks, the roof comes later. you got to work on the foundation first. If you don't have a bad foundation, you're going to have a house that's going to lopside and collapse. Or you're going to have a house that's going to suffer flooding the first day. So it's all about the foundation. That's what those notes are. That's what writing things on that page are. That's your foundation. Healthy doubt? Yes. I'm not sure about all this. Well, that's when you have to start learning to rearrange it. And it could be a couple rewrites. First rewrite can just be about taking uh, stuff out that didn't work and putting stuff in that you think could work. And then the second rewrite can be that's when you're starting to really fine-tune fine it and, and fine-craft it. So that's a healthy doubt. Now, third is the doubt of people that they don't really feel that they have a talent for writing, but they want to write. They feel compelled to write. They think that it's something that's useful for them, that it's what they should be doing. That kind of doubt is unhealthy. That's not the kind of positive doubt you want to have because talent is not always a natural thing. You're going to find more writers than not over the time of practicing and working at it created their own talent. They always had a desire to write, but a desire to write is not the same thing as a talent for writing. They had to build themselves up to that talent. There's not a lot of people that are natural that do so. And I'm sorry to say the few people that I've ever encountered in my life that really had a genuine, brilliant talent that was natural were very self-destructive people that were confused and angry and, you know, I don't know where they're ever going to go in the world if they live that long. I'm serious. So it's nothing to... Uh, to be jealous about and it's certainly nothing to envy because those people they tend to have the worst problems about everything it's better on on the regular person the regular writer is somebody no different than myself who learned to build their writing I remember starting off doing what I call Mechanical writing, that's just the writing you do as a newspaper person for an article. And doing that for a couple of years and then having such a tough time transitioning from that kind of writing into something that's literary, which is completely different. I thought the article writing would give me some kind of preparation. It didn't. It worked later on when I wanted to do essays and stuff like that. I was able to to do more with that. But when I wanted to learn about uh, poetry and, and fiction, I had to create that myself. I had to learn my own way. Years of constantly working at it. Because there was no no relationship at all between that. So you have to build your own talent. You know, you could have a talent that you built and later on you rely on as you do your writing. It could just be that 
before all of that, the only real talent was is just that, you know, you, you read a lot and that you had a desire to put some words together and you wanted to do something important with your, with your writing. It's just that you weren't sure how what kind of writer you are going to be. And that, a lot of times that's how we all really start, that way. That's many people that start out, you know, already uh, very good at writing. It's just, it's, it's kind of rare. The doubts that come around a lot of this can seem natural at first, but I always find that you need to put them down quick because you don't want them sticking around too long because at first they seem like a natural occurrence. You know, I, I should doubt the fact that, you know, I'm not intuitively talented as writing and I have to work at this, so... Maybe this won't work out. Maybe it will never happen. Those are kind of doubts that are dangerous because they'll stop you for doing the work necessary, start finding the insight necessary and that inner connection necessary for you to be a writer. That takes some time. It just takes practice and it'll happen. If you really care about it, it will happen. But those kind of doubts you got to stop right away because they'll stop you from doing all of those things and then you go nowhere. And then you'll just be always somebody 30, 40 years later. You know how many people I've met, I've met that way? People who started writing and they were pretty good and you talk to them about writing and then you find out that, you know, they gave up 30 years ago. Just didn't have in them. And now they retired. They seem to have a little bit more confidence about the world and now they feel they can write more. That's great that they're doing that. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's something I, uh, you know, judge or ridicule or become impatient with but I do say in the back of my mind and I'm sure they did too what, what could have happened if they stuck with it those 30 years they could have had a couple things out here and there and this and that and whatever and again remember when we put that time away we don't get it back you know I'm not so grim to say or to think that you know if you got people who started writing at the age of 60 that um, you know what kind of time do they have left in their life now with writing who cares as long as they're actually trying to do something with that time, finally, good, go do something. Maybe those uh, those works will, will make all the difference. Maybe, you know, you needed a lifetime to get to those works. I don't know. I don't want to sound too zen or too philosophical about it. I'm always of the belief that if you wanted to do something and you put it to the side for a long time, you've lost the time. Uh, just because that's my practical belief. I don't like to the fluff or, or flower things up too much because they, like, when we do that, we start denying the reality and we start lying to ourselves. You know? There's nothing wrong about telling yourself the truth. Yeah, I put, I put aside 30 years of my life. Now I'm doing something and hope I get something out of it. I decided to not do that. I didn't want to do that. That's why I've been writing 36 years because the moment I started, I never stopped. Throughout the world, wherever I was doing in my life, kept going. Because I thought that was important to me. I thought I was one of those kind of people that, you know, if I stopped doing it, I wouldn't go back to it. That's how I kept ahead of fate. How I kept ahead of fear, how I kept ahead of doubt. Just by continuing to do it. To the point where those things don't have a real control over me at, at all. and never will because I'm always rushing in to do something. So I'm not just sitting there waiting for something to, to, to talk me out of it. Because that's what it is. That's what the doubt does in the end. If you let it hang around too long, it'll just sit there in the corner talking a lot of stuff. 
you can't become creative. You can't see new things or say new things or mean new things if you don't believe what's going on. And you can't believe what's going on if you listen to doubt. That's why I always found the very act of writing to be similar to a religious experience where we haven't seen a whole lot, but we still believe. Or maybe we still want to believe. But the whole point is, is that we're using you know, an element of faith because we don't have all the facts, because we don't know all the truth yet, thinking that we're going to get there. And that's what writing is in many ways. It's, it's an act of faith. And for some people, it can even be an act of courage, especially if they were able to put down fear, you know, work around depression and stop addiction and naturally put aside doubt. That's why writing it, I, I find to be uh, almost a life-affirming experience because you have to do so much to get around, so much in the world or the people around you, even internally in yourself, you know, just to be able to put down a couple words on a page. What you have to do just to get there, for a lot of people, is, is pretty enormous. That's why I never lose patience with somebody saying they're afraid of this or they're doubtful of that because you know, it's common and it's, it's, it's going to be a, a, a lifelong struggle for that. But this is part of the process of writing that we do that. So that's why I'm, I've always been pretty patient about that because it's something I understand. There's no point getting upset about it. No point saying, oh, no, not another doubter. <laughs> it's, that's part of who we are as writers that we got to tackle that I don't know too many people that don't have to tackle that but if you want to continue to write and you want to continue to believe as easy as this might sound that is not easy to do you got to keep writing even if that writing is just about scribbling some notes someplace those notes mean a great deal so don't ever put them down don't ever think you do anything. I remember a girl telling me, Mark, I just feel like I've done nothing this week at all. Well, what have you done? Well, I put down a bunch of notes. There you go. That's a week of notes. That's important. You'll be able to, to, to count on some of those later. Watch. I still use notes from some stuff I read years ago. I got notes in my phone from like two years ago. I started only using them like last month. You don't know when they could be useful. Sometimes there are glimpses in the in, in the future, almost like a you know a little little time machine or something. Put them down. They might not seem important now. They might be later. But no, young girl, you didn't have a week of zero. You had a week of notes. That's good. If you haven't written any damn thing down, then maybe you can be a little upset with yourself. But. If you want to keep yourself from having a zero week, if you want to keep yourself from feeling that you haven't done anything, put down some notes someplace. Your phone, a pad, a posted, back of an ice cream wrapper, uh, I don't care what it is. Put down some notes. Now you've done something. And as long as you've done something, it's harder for doubt to get a hold of you. You know, it's like putting oil on your body and now the, 
The monster can't grab you because he keeps slipping you because you're so oily. This is what you're doing when you do that. You're giving yourself some protection. You're strengthening your system, whether it be your psyche or your spirit or your soul, whatever you want to call it. And that's the groundwork, folks. That's the groundwork that you need, that foundation to build that house, which is a poem or play, an essay, fiction, whatever. That's how it works. That's how you get around doubt. Do you ever defeat doubt? No. Just like you're never going to defeat fear. There's, there are built-in elements in, in the human condition. They're going to be there. You just need to manage them. You need to dial them back. You need to have a certain measure of control of them. That's all you have to have. And you live with them and, and that's that. So don't ever spend time trying to get rid of them. Because that's not going to happen and that's not really humanly possible. Remember we talked about before. If you find somebody who's absent of fear, they're probably insane. If you find anybody absent of doubt, they, they're probably uh, also a, a cult leader or something. Uh, become a complete nutball. <laughs> These things are still necessary. We just need to be able to be in control of them versus have them controlling you. You don't want to be a prisoner of doubt. Okay? You want to be a captive of fear. Alright? You don't want to be a hostage to hopelessness. That's the that's the difference there. You are in control controlling them. They are not controlling you. As long as you do that, you're going to be on the right road. Alright, folks. That's all I have over here for a die, doubt. Dies of thirst in a rainstorm. What does that actually mean? Well, I just like the phrase because... It literally tells you in that phrase for the show, doubt dies of thirst in a rainstorm. You're, you're thirsty and it's raining right now in a storm, but you're still dying of thirst. You're going to dehydrate and die. That's what doubt will do. It'll make you not understand what's right in front of you. It'll stop you from doing what's necessary. And all you had to do in that instance is hold your hand out in a little cup and you can drink the, the rainwater. Open your mouth open and just let it all go in. But that would, would close your mouth and stop your hands. See? So that's why I had that. Because it just sort of like really, really illustrates what we're talking about over here. Alright folks, we got a couple of shows coming up over here for May. We're in the middle of May right now. Alright, and then we'll go on to June. i got some uh, exciting ones we'll talk about the next time as I'm putting it together. Alright? That was episode 201, Doubt Dies of Thirst in a Rainstorm. This is Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. God bless and thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.